everybody, and welcome to episode three of the Philly Sports Convo. This is my podcast where I get to talk to the coolest people in Philly sports, and my guest tonight, in my mind, is one of the most versatile broadcasters out there. He's the radio voice of the union. He's the TV voice of the New York Riptide and the National Lacrosse League. He does more sports than I think I can count. Uh, he's a hell of a nice guy, and he's a great friend on top of that. Happy to have Dave Leno today. Dave, good to see you, pal. How are you? Jason, thanks so much for having me on. Congratulations on this new venture. It's an honor to be a part with all of your talented guests. And you're the cool cat, man. I'm just along for the ride. I'll bat second in your lineup any day. You know, you're you're a nice guy, Dave. But whenever I'm with you, I'm just a sidecar on the motorcycle, buddy. That's it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, hey, I'm that guy riding shotgun, man. I'm you're the one driving the ship, and I'm just here with you. But it's it's an honor, and uh, you're a legend in the Philadelphia oh, market and beyond. And uh, the check you know, is in the mail, man. I was going to say I'll slip you a twenty dollar bill after the interview too. Hey, I I I wore my union jersey just for you. Okay, I, I love it, man. Listen. For our playoff run, we need you to come in and score some goals at Cincinnati in our Eastern Conference semifinal upcoming. So well, if you can help us out, I'll get you on the charter plane. Well, believe me, if the team is turning to me, they're in bad shape. But I, I, I want to talk about the union now. Now, um, just a caveat here. So we're, we're recording this before the Cincinnati game, but it's not going to run until after the Cincinnati game. So we can't talk about that. But I, I want to look back to last season and that remarkable run to the MLS Cup Finals. What's it like for a broadcaster? Now, I know JP was, was still the, the main play-by-play guy, the legendary JP Delacamera. You were doing mainly pre-post, halftime. You did some play-by-play. But you're a broadcaster for the team. What was it like for you guys throughout that playoff run? Well, they set so many records last year, like most goals. They were undefeated at home. And the union, just to put in context for, for anybody out there watching this that, that hasn't really followed the union since the club's inception in 2010 from 2020 during the supporter shield era during the COVID year we won our first trophy in club history which was the top record across the league and that was in 2020 2021 still battling COVID we go to the Eastern Conference final but more than half of our starters got got COVID or were out due to health and safety I, I remember that yeah the final so then it brings us quickly to, to your question. Last year, uh, we get over that hump. We do beat New York City FC in the Eastern Conference Final at home. We lose after having the lead twice, and we lost an MLS Cup, which is our championship in penalties or on penalty kicks at LAFC. So the run last year uh, in totality was remarkable. So many guys had career years, in particular guys that play in our attack, our number 10, which is our attacking midfield position, Daniel Gazdag, uh, Michael Uwa up top is a forward for the team coming from Denmark, and the same with Julian Carranza up top. So those three in particular were the best trifecta across the league, not to mention we have arguably the best goalkeepers. You know, yep. Jason, and Andre Blake, a Jamaican international, meaning he stars for Jamaica for their national team. And what do you call him? You call him Brickwall Blake, right? I've heard you say Brickwall that. Brickwall Blake. Yeah. I, I try to get that in when appropriate at least <laughs> once or twice uh, on a call. Uh, he's the he's the linchpin back there for this team. It's not just him, but the back line, Jacob Plesnitz, Jack Elliott, uh, Kai Wagner, when he's played on the left, whether it's been Olivier Baizo or Nate Harriel on the right. Um, so what I'm getting at is it's really been a collective effort by this team, and that's a testament to our coach, who's a Philly guy through and through, and Jim Curtin, yep. our sporting director or, or GM, like in other sports is the equivalent, uh, sporting director Ernst Tanner, and the entire staff. 
And for me, just to play a little bit of a little part in that and calling not just the Eastern Conference semifinal where we beat Cincinnati last year and the Eastern Conference final where we, we beat uh, New York City FC, who won the championship in 2021, uh, that was that was a, a really big deal for me, uh, starting with the team from 2016 uh, up until that point. So um, it was a, a heck of a run in 2022. I can tell you that uh, they still want to win MLS Cup in 2023. That sure. is the goal moving forward. So I, I mentioned I mentioned JP Della Camera. I want to ask you about him because I. And I, I think you're like me. I have an appreciation for the two, the, the true greats in our industry, and I consider him one of the true greats. Um, and, and he was with the union from, from day one. And, and tell me if you agree with this. You know, I, I think when, when a team is brand new and, and soccer hadn't worked in this town before the union came along, and I think part of the reason the union caught on as much as they did and you get, you get so many rabid fans at Subaru Park now is because... JP Della Camera was doing the games from day one. I think the broadcaster is that important when when you're dealing with a you know a new market a new sport. Give give me your thoughts on JP. What he what he meant to the union and I guess what he meant to you as well. JP's a legend. That was arguably the union's best signing right from day one in the broadcast with uh, tapping him as a play by play guy uh, for the team, the voice of the team. And it was a very special opportunity for me to be a part of the broadcast with, with JP. Uh, learned so much from him. You know, here's a guy that's done so many World Cups on both the men's and the women's side. And, you know, JP, the way he, the way I can just, I can go through the minutia of just a broadcasting, the way he calls a game, presents himself. First and foremost, uh, he's a people person, just like you, just like me. Uh, he treats everybody with respect. Um, he's a guy that that says hello to everybody in the room, regardless of your position. When he puts on the headset, even really before that, he wants the show not to be about him, but he right. wants to do the best he can for everybody involved. That's what people in the production truck or the production cavity, uh, to the cameramen, the camera women who are with us, or a statistician or a stage man in the booth. Uh, to me, if I was tossing to him during the pregame show for hits or in the post-game show, or him throwing to me at halftime live. Um, we we had this special bond. And if there's one really sad thing with MLS going behind a paywall for their TV broadcast, so no more local TV, yeah. and now on Apple TV, it's losing the, the, the camaraderie that we all had. Uh, we still talk, JP, and uh, we were texting and emailing uh, leading up to him doing the World Cup this year, and I know we had a great run. For the, for the Women's World Cup. And I will say that, that if it wasn't for a guy like JP that made me feel comfortable, I don't know if I'd be, you know, in the shoes I am now with the union as the, the radio voice of the team or, or, or how well that I transitioned from doing in 2016 Bethlehem Steel FC, which was our, like, minor league team or USL team, for those that don't know, like, think of the AAA team. Okay. Of union. Now they have a team called Union 2, which is our developmental team, so there's no more Bethlehem Steel but I was the voice of that team and JP treated me with such class uh, coming on for the first time. And then me doing that and then having a role with the first team with the union uh, doing pregame halftime. And then, you know, later on postgame, he helped me a lot with preparation, um, how to present, you know, soccer, you know, the best way possible for the Philadelphia audience, but also for, 
for the national audience uh, as well. And, and the difference of how maybe, you know, he presented a game when he did a game for the union in the Philadelphia market, different from when he does a national game, when he would uh, step into like playoff games or, or national games during the regular season uh, for Fox. So uh, for me, you know, I, I, I read a lot about this and I follow other younger men and women following a legend uh, like JP. And there, there's many other examples like Joe Davis following, you know, Vin Scully. Um, and, and you can take other, yeah, you can take other examples. Tom you know, McCarthy Tom, following, following yeah. Harry Callis. Yeah. Harry Callis. And it's not easy. And no. There, nobody will ever replace JP. Um, I will not. Um, you know, I, I'm very fortunate to still uh, be a part of the club and to call uh, call the games. But JP forever uh, will be the voice of the Philadelphia Union. And it, it was an honor uh, to, to share the broadcast booth or the broadcast set with him. I remember, Jason, just the last one here, um, the, when we were signing off for good. And it was very, very emotional. It was just myself and JP on the set above Section 113. I, re I remember that. I, I was watching. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, live signing off on the broadcast, and you know, I, you know, I, I turned it over to him and just, just stood there and just shut up and 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 let him, you know, give all his thoughts. And we honored him at a at a banquet in in April of 2023 during a Union Foundation banquet. It's not just the the man that he is. I think stands out. I know he's a, an accomplished broadcaster, but it's the the gentleman that he presents himself as something that I continue as a as a young broadcaster. Uh, hopefully, as the years uh, go by, I know I will be. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know a couple ounces of what of what JP possesses moving forward. Well, I and you know anytime, anytime I asked JP for a favor, anytime I asked him to come on a show I was doing, like yeah. you, the guy never said no. Right. He was always there, uh, and just 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 a hell of a nice guy. And you know, if anybody could have an ego, he could, but he doesn't. And and that's that's one of the things I loved about the guy. I, I wanna I wanna get back to talking about you and, and your career. And you mentioned JP on national TV. You've done your fair of national TV as well. You've done a lot of a lot of work for ESPN. Do you um I, I guess I'll just ask it as basic as I can. Do you get nervous on national television? You know the entire country's watching. Are there any extra nerves when you're doing a broadcast like that? I think anytime you you put on the headset, I, I, at least my opinion, I think anybody's telling you they don't get nervous uh, might be uh, might be lying a little bit. And I think there. I, I agree. Still, look, I, I think you know the difference is it's like you can control the chaos in your body, in your belly, in your diaphragm, whatever you want to say. But once that red light goes on. It's like I'm talking to you right now. You feel comfortable. You're amid friends. You know, when I'm looking to a camera during a live open, if I did a game for ESPN, is it anything different than I looked into a live camera when I did Philadelphia Union or New York Riptide or an MSG? Maybe, maybe you think about it. But but then if you know, if you believe in the, the preparation that you did, if you have good chemistry with the analysts, which you know, uh, my background, that that's one of the most paramount things for me is, is having – who I'm working with shine. It's not about me uh, as the play-by-play -play guy or as a, if I did hosting, uh, I'm the small part in the play and that, you know, that little uh, clarinet player I was in fourth grade. Uh, <laughs> everybody pokes fun at me and I was last year. So what, that's you you played the clarinet? Yeah, played the clarinet. There was a big assembly in fourth grade and that's the, just the musicality coming out okay. of the clarinet. You I like, but you want to laugh? Anyway, I, 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 yeah. play, I played the cello 
In fourth, there you go. fourth fifth, there and sixth, the, 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 right, the damn I'm thing was you. bigger than I was. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, I, I could not play that thing, so I give you props for that. Maybe I'll get lessons after this from you. Um, I'm starting to strum the guitar a little bit now. There you um, go. There you go. Take it after my dad a little bit. But uh, look, it, you're doing a game for ESPN. but you know what's cool is hearing the, the music that you grow up listening to. The den, 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 like yeah. I can go den, and den, pull. Den, 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 yeah. right? I mean, even like I remember my first live toss to like uh, an ESPN studio for halftime. Like that still gets me giddy just now talking about it. Like, let's go to Kevin Connors back in the ESPN studio for our Taco Bell halftime report. Kevin, all yours. And then he just goes. And then it's like, and then the producer goes on your headset, says, all right, you're all clear till the end of halftime. That's really cool. Uh, I've worked with a lot of really neat people that have made it, you know, pretty big and full time uh, at ESPN. Uh, as analysts, I'll give you, I'll give you one anecdote. Uh, I remember doing an NIT game, uh, GW, so George Washington against Hofstra, and I did the game with Craig Robinson. Now, for those that don't know who Craig Robinson is, uh, he formerly coached on many stops, played at Princeton, formerly coached Oregon State uh, in men's college basketball. Okay. Who's Craig Robinson to most people? Well, other than the coach, and the, I believe he's still with the Knicks organization in their personnel department, one of the heads of that. I think now uh, actually might be running, as I'm thinking about it, one of the uh, basketball-like coaching, um, coaching associations. Um, Craig is Barack Obama's brother-in-law, Michelle Obama's brother. Wow. So I remember, yeah, I remember oh, doing yeah, I remember doing a game with Craig, um, and Craig's like, hey, do you mind after shoot-around dropping me off where I'm staying? And I'm thinking, okay, I'm staying at, like, the Palomar in D.C., right? So he goes, uh, he puts in the address and whatever, and, and of course, it was the White House. No way! Staying in the residences. And, uh, did, did they invite you in? Floor. No, so there's no cool story like that. Oh, I wish, man. I wish there was, and I, I wish I'd give you some uh, Edgar Allan Poe spiel about uh, – that was nice being in there, and the, but so, but you dropped uh, him off like, at the White dropped, House. Just dropped me on the uh, periphery right there, but it was it was just like. And then the next night, where we actually had the NIT game, you know, they showed one of the shots of the White House coming back, and I uh, we didn't tell Craig. I was like, all right, so uh, you know, welcome back to our nation's capital. And uh, Craig, which room did you uh, stay in last night? Nice. It was you know we had some we had some fun with that. Um, but a, a lot of other uh, accomplished uh, broadcasters did a, did a Memphis-Texas A&M uh, game last year on a Saturday night uh, at FedEx Forum where the Grizzlies play uh, with John Crispin, who's a star analyst uh, with ESPN, Dallin Cuff, who's all over ESPN Bet, um, Perry Clark, a former coach of Miami and Tulane, did a, a host of games with Tim Welsh as well, former head basketball coach, and others. Um, so whether I've done games on you know, ESPN three on the digital side or com when I first got in in 2012. So I can remember my first game, Houston Temple on ESPN News at the time in 2016, uh, to doing an ESPN two uh, last year at East Carolina with the aforementioned Perry Clark on Martin Luther King Day. Um, I, I really, Jason, I know this is pro, I, I don't like to use cliches, but I think you know me, my prep, it, and for those that don't, I really take all my prep very seriously. I treat all those games the same, regardless if it's local TV or national, whether it's with a bigger ESPN crew or a smaller ESPN crew. Um, I do all these big spotting boards. You know charts. what? 
you, and that's what gets me comfortable. You just reminded me of something that I forgot about. I wanted to ask you to have one of the spotting boards handy, but look up Dave Leno on social media at Dave Leno TV. You will see pictures. I mean, because Dave, and you and I have talked about this on TV and off TV before that I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you, because because the spotting board it's it's made so when you're doing a broadcast you can look down and right away get some kind of a factoid about about a, about a player. I don't see how you like how was that legible? <laughs> how did you do I, I, it's it, a, it, it? It's there's people, a lot going on. Listen, it's like if people make fun of it. That uh, probably my eighth grade <laughs> art teacher, Mrs. Russell, doesn't like it either. Uh, but know, it gets I, the I job done. Have, yeah, I don't have one handy. I'm sorry about that now. But it, it uh, but you know names numbers. Uh, bios what we're talking about like saying like uh you know i went to indiana for example dave went to indiana um you know he studied broadcast journalism for example like that would be on a border and then obviously if i'm doing college basketball it would be a lot of basketball things where they went to high school maybe maybe there's something that the coach told me uh during shoot around or um, the sports information director told me during the week or something uh, a note or a nugget i picked up uh you know, in the game notes or, or an article that I read from our, our great journalists around the country, I'll add that. And I'll, and I'll hopefully uh, I get to talk to a couple of players when I travel to a game. And that's not just for basketball. That's if I, I've done college football in the past. I remember sure. um, I did for the first time, I did uh, the ACC swimming and diving championships two years ago in Atlanta, Georgia, where they hosted the 96 Olympics. And, you know, you're talking about, I don't know how many ACC schools there were. Let's just say there were like 12 or 13 of them that had swimming and diving programs. And I had to go into, you know, not just bio information of everybody who could qualify for like the A final, which is the one that you, you medal for that would count towards the standings. And then they have the B final, C final for those that just make the next kind of tier. And you got to research all these people. And I would, I would leave the hotel, go to like a, kind of like the Reading Terminal of uh, Atlanta, like the Pond City Market, I think it was called. Sit okay. there with a coffee. Go through all these student athletes and watch a ton of film on how, you know, the, how the Olympics presented, how did ESPN present it the year before, going two years ago. What makes a great swimming and diving broadcaster? Also talking with people um, who have done it. You know, see, a lot of people don't. yeah go ahead now I was gonna say this this is this is what makes you so good at what you do because you put the prep in you put the time in I mean and I you know I, I talked to the top about your versatility all the different sports you've done you just mentioned swimming and diving I remember watching I think it was ESPN U and you were doing a college softball game so how how many how many different sports have you done on TV and radio gosh a, a lot. Um, I'll, I'll start with this. The, mo the most simple way I can put it is the, the first game I ever called on national TV was when I was a senior at Indiana, and it was on the Big Ten Network doing Ohio State, Indiana field hockey. And I tell this to a lot of young broadcasters is, is even if it's a sport that you don't love, and I didn't know much about field hockey, but I really appreciate it now. I, I love it. Yeah. It's don't say no to that opportunity. And that was given to me, I think, in large part because uh, you know, I worked my tail off at Indiana as a student. I traveled around with the volleyball and the softball teams my junior and senior year as an announcer. We made the Sweet 16 in volleyball, uh, made an NCAA uh, regional in softball. Right after, uh, as I graduated, I stayed a week later to call that game Mizzou, then came back home and tried to jumpstart my career post-graduation. And 
the thing I remember about that Indiana Ohio State field hockey game is I went to the coach Amy Robertson at the time from Indiana, like three or four weeks out when I got the assignment, and said, "Listen, I've never done uh, field hockey before. I'm going to do a great job, but if there's any, if if I could come and watch practice a day or two in between classes, uh, talk with you, talk with a couple student athletes about the game." Um, she gave me Olympic. She said, absolutely. Um, so you got to be very proactive. Right. You have right. to have better personality. And uh, she gave me Olympic uh, DVDs that that hosted field uh, that had field hockey at the Olympics. So I learned how the announcers did it at the Olympics. Uh, watched a ton of video online, obviously went to practices and talked with people. And then I did the game. And where that got me to from 2015 to 2019, uh, the U.S. Women's National Team was training in Lancaster, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports Complex. And I was tabbed as a national um, field hockey announcer every time the U.S. women's national team would play all the top countries in the world. I drove from the Philadelphia area, where I'm from, all the way out to, to Lancaster. Right. Uh, was, was not put up in a hotel, um, didn't ask to be, and not that it's far, um, but uh, – did the games, uh, I would call games against the top countries in the world like uh, Argentina, the Netherlands, Germany, India, China. I mean, I did the Pan American games, uh, you know, featuring, you know, Chile, as mentioned, Argentina and others um, from down south. Uh, and, and those experiences, it's not it's not a sport for everybody, but I love that. I love I've done two conference, uh, Sunbelt Conference Volleyball Championships uh, in the Sunbelt. That was in 2012 and 2013. That's going back a little. But if I wasn't a student broadcaster at Indiana, I wouldn't have got those opportunities. And then I've done college football with ESPN, basketball. I've done college soccer with ESPN, obviously, MLS uh, you know, with the Philadelphia Union uh, as well, in addition to other sports. I get the feeling that you and I are similar in that um, – I never turned down anything. I don't think you turned down anything either. Not a lot. Not a lot. I mean, I, and I obviously, it, uh, one big thing I didn't mention is I'm a really big tennis guy. I mean, I, I play a lot of tennis. Uh, um, okay, you know what? Can I ask you a question about that? You just made me think of something. Yes. So you did, um, what was it? Was, the, was it the U.S. Open that you just did? Yep. Okay. You did it on radio. Yes. Now, now, most people aren't used to hearing tennis on the radio. You know, you watch tennis. On, right. You, you watch tennis on TV and it's, you know, the, the announcers really don't talk. They just talk, you know, while, while the volley's going on. Obviously, they're not going to say anything because, you know, the, the picture is telling the story. But on radio, you have to be the eyes of the people listening. So there's a lot more talking. There's a lot more description. And I remember listening to you on Sirius when you were doing that tournament and it, yeah. it, it seemed odd to me at first because I wasn't used to hearing a broadcast like that. But then I'm like, wait a second, he has to do it like that. And I never heard tennis on the radio before, but man, you did a damn good job. I appreciate it. It is so fast. If, if nobody's ever heard tennis on the radio, it kind of has the tenor of an ice hockey call. Kind of, yes, Tim, exactly. To a, to a Flyers game, as Tim Saunders would say, you know, Jason to Dave across the blue line puts it. So it, it, it has that right. kind of fan base. And, and my union calls that I do now MLS on the radio, they're pretty quick too. It depends obviously when we're going into the attacking third and there's an imminent goal scoring opportunity, you get into it a little bit more rather than passes out of the back, for example, with our uh, defenders. But for tennis, now it helps. As I said, I, I play a lot of tennis. Um, uh, growing up, took lessons, uh, played a little bit uh 
you know, doing some club stuff in Indiana. And actually I got a lot better actually coming back from school from Indiana to the Philadelphia area and just around broadcasting and just played it with friends and a public court tennis player, not a, not a country club guy by any means, but enrolling tournaments and USTA teams. And those are kind of teams uh, across your, your various cities. For example, Philadelphia would have a team or you could be, you know, I was part of one in Levittown or one in Doylestown. And um, so there, there's many different teams that you can be a part of uh, if you're part of the United States uh, Tennis Association. So that's a little bit background there. And since 2013, I've worked a variety of roles at the U.S. Open, which has been kind of amazing because that's that's our grandest spectacle as far as, you know, American tennis events go. Um, I know everybody think, you know, Wimbledon is amazing. I have a dream one day to broadcast the Wimbledon and hopefully the Aussie Open and also at, at Roland Garros, the French Open. But it'll happen. But doing, yeah, I hope so, man. And uh, I would say that doing the U.S. Open and seeing fans come from around the world and staying from I, I'm there from qualifying till the end of the main draw, which is amazing. I'm there for three weeks, so I see players trying to fight, win three matches in a row on both the men's and the women's side in singles to just get into the main draw where you have to win seven matches in basically two weeks uh, to win the Grand Slam. Um, so, you know, I, I've called, you know, Federer in the past, Nadal, Djokovic, uh, as recently as Carlos Alcaraz losing in the semifinals this year to uh, Daniil Medvedev. Um, that was amazing. Obviously, Novak Djokovic has just been amazing. That's a whole different uh, storyline there, which is right. he's gone, uh, coming back from, from having not played. But but calling tennis to me, um, you know, I, when, I, when I go back and, and listen to my work, I'll close my eyes and say, did I describe this accurately? Was I on top of the play? But that goes not just for tennis, but, but doing soccer when I've done uh, baseball. Or if I'm in a hosting role, is how smoothly and accurately am I at the game calling it? And for tennis, it's just, I think it's because it's so niche, kind of like field hockey, like even softball, which has a different speed than, than baseball, much, much faster. Um, you're getting done a college softball game in an hour, 20, an hour and 30, which is honestly great for everybody <laughs> yeah. um, involved. Uh, but, but for tennis, you know, it's, I'm, I'm sticking with the nuts and bolts that will play by play. Um, so, you know, you know, Jason's decked out in a Nike kit. He straddles the baseline, rocks back a good toss, two feet in the air, smacks the racket, goes into the deuce side of the court. Leno takes it belt high, forehand down the line. Jason scoots left, has it knee high, whisks the ball up ahead over the high part of the net, down the line. Dave with a backhand slice. So, but then it, it, it's a lot quicker as I'm, I'm trying to go slower so everybody can hear what I'm saying. And then I'm trying to, how I, how I judge how I get better is, number one, am I describing everything accurately? Am I using tennis terminology? Am I staying on top of the play? I'm not just saying forehand, backhand, forehand, backhand. And over time, as the tournament moves on, I find myself even more comfortable where I can talk about, you know, what kind of topspin the player uses. Is it, is it a, you know, is it a backhand that's from an open stance or a closed stance? So I go into more detail. Right. And it's, again, very niche for a tennis audience, uh, but this is something I'm, I'm very proud of doing. And I, I was in, a lot of people don't know, I've worked with Billie Jean King in the past um, uh, doing World Team Tennis, which is on hiatus right now. But I was in uh, two COVID bubbles in 2020 at the Greenbrier in West Virginia when nothing was going on. We had tennis in the summer. 
uh, where men and women competed on the same team. It's a league that Billie Jean and her, her then husband co-founded in the 70s, and all the, the greats played in World Team Tennis, and I was the PA voice or the MC on court for the Philadelphia team, the Philadelphia Freedoms, that right. Sheik, and also uh, the New York Empire. And then I did it for the league, both in at uh, the Greenbrier in 2020 and also in 2021 in Indian Wells, California. So it attests to, to not say no to a lot of opportunities and just just putting yourself out there and, and hopefully somebody likes your work. There you go. Um, in the last couple of minutes, I got to ask you a couple of stories, okay? We're running out of time, but I see on social media every week, you and your wife and your son make challah. And it yeah. looks fantastic. And I want to know if, if somehow I can get that recipe and try it myself. Well, you could absolutely get the recipe. It is not hard to do, but I think with anything, it's just repetition. Is it hard to wind it up? Like to twist yes. it? Okay. Uh, you know, in the beginning, yes. And I still find myself like going back and like how I braid it is what Jason's talking about, like a three-strand holla. So I try to do this um, a lot on, on Fridays uh, for Shabbat. Uh, the Jewish community watching will know a lot about that. And, you know, I took up bread making during, you know, everybody had like a little hobby during COVID or sure. something. They just yeah, fascinated with uh, how I've done way before COVID. Uh, but bread was definitely one of them. Growing a starter um, was very, very difficult. That's kind of your natural leavener that allows the bread to rise without putting like that active yeast in. Right. Now for the challah, I don't do that. That's kind of sourdough bread, and that's a different topic. Got it. Uh, but challah, there's a lot of patience. You absolutely can get the recipe, and I have it. And anybody wants it, they can get in touch with me. Happy right. to share the challah knowledge with everybody. I this is probably a dumb question, but I'll ask it anyway. Have you ever tried challah French toast? It's outstanding. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, of course. It's, out, it's outstanding. All right. I, and I want to get one more thing in. I, I, read, yes. I read that you proposed to your wife at Channel 6, at 6ABC. And in, in, if you can, and give me like the Cliff's Notes version because we've got like a minute or so left. Give me, give me a quick version. Quick version's this. Uh, we were doing a lot of work at 6ABC through the Philadelphia Union uh, where we did all of our road broadcasts. We didn't travel at the time as a broadcast team, so I would do either pregame, halftime, postgame, or if I stepped in and did play-by-play for JP, right. uh, we would do from from Channel 6. So just being there, uh, getting to know everybody, um, was that was an amazing experience in itself. Now I get to travel, which is amazing, uh, although I miss a lot of the 6ABC people. And uh, my wife, Tori, now, uh, when I was on the brink of, proposing i wanted to do something creative i was i remember doing a trying to think it was i think it was a college basketball game in alabama uh of all places in jacksonville alabama i think it was a belmont jacksonville state game and i think i said to tori's sister sloan like i'm thinking about proposing at one of the philadelphia restaurants and she's like uh, that's great whatever but you know do we think can we think of something more creative because tori would like that and then Every time I would go to Tori's parents' house, 6ABC would always be on. Her parents would watch the news. Tori likes Adam Joseph. She likes all the crew. Oh, I always see Jim Gardner in the background or Jamie Apodi so, or Deuces. So, so tell, me, tell me how it happened. I want to know. So uh, you know, I went to the 6ABC folks. I uh, went to Bernie, their, their, their station president, and just flat out asked, I, 
You know, I'm here, you know, doing work with the Philadelphia Union tour. I, I said the whole story, which I just shared. Now, it was always on at Tori's house. I think if there's ever a time where the studio's not available or, or, or the studio's open where you're, you're, they're not having a broadcast, you know, can I come in and do this quick thing? And uh, I remember going to dinner first. I was nervous as hell. I brought Tori to 6ABC saying, I said to Tori, I said, I'm picking up my badge okay. for the season to get in. That was the decoy there, Jason, if you can follow me. Picking up my badge to get in the door. Right. So a producer let us in. The producer was on at the time. Paula was her name, who I think now is at an Emmy Award winner in NBC 10 as an executive producer. So shout out Paula Lopez. Um, she was there. Everybody was in on it. Jesse, who works there um, as well, who also worked on our union broadcast, uh, helped me out with that. So, so you propose? Had, they had all, Jason, they had all these beautiful grants. I went to the art director there, who was fantastic, who's still there. They had these, uh, all these beautiful graphics. They gave Tori a, a tour of the studio. Of course, then I proposed. It said, you know, will you marry me, Tori? You know, the pictures are up on my Instagram somewhere. And uh, I'll, have to said, look, yeah. I'll have to look for that. If she didn't say and yes, that would, have been, that would have been the big story on Action News if she said that no. That would have been the bit that would have been. And here. Not, not just the big story, the lead story. I'll tell you what, right? show, this, show this to your wife. It's a vintage Channel 6 microphone yeah. flag. I remember when you were on there a lot, my friend. I uh, remember that, 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 that goes back a long time. Dave, what can I say? Uh, you know, you know, I love your work. You know, I'm a big fan. I, I love your versatility. You do it all and you do it well. Um, I still owe you lunch, and I hope to uh, to hope we can uh, we can do that one day soon. I can't thank you enough for doing this, Dave. Thank you very much for joining me, and uh, we got to do this again soon because we've got a lot more to talk about. Appreciate the invite. Maybe lunch will be hollow French toast, and you don't owe me anything. You know, I always tell you that, and. Uh... Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, good luck on this uh, adventure as well. This is amazing. Love hearing uh, all the talented men and women that you have on here. And thanks so much for watching this conversation. I had a lot of fun. Thanks, Dave. So did I. And I'm going to take you up on that hollow French toast, all right? <laughs> and thank you for watching Episode 3 of the Philly Sports Convo. We'll see you next time. Stay connected with us on social media. Join our Discord community and grab merch from our shop. The Philly Sports Convo is a Blue Eye Visual production.